Alliance Physical Therapy Partners and Agile Virtual Care proudly presents Agile and Me, a physical therapy leadership podcast series, a podcast device to help emerging and experienced therapy leaders learn more about various topics relevant to outpatient therapy services. Welcome back to Agile Me, a physical therapy leadership podcast series. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Samantha Lewakowski, who is Director of Marketing at Alliance Physical Therapy Partners. And this podcast is the first of a series that looks into marketing. And the first one today is titled Marketing 101 for complete novices like myself. So excited to have you here, Sam, and really interested to learn some of the basics about marketing. Definitely something in school we we know nothing about. So please do treat me like an idiot and we'll probably get on really well here today. So welcome, as always, with guests love for you to give a little bit of background to yourself and then we can kind of dive into some questions if that's okay yeah absolutely thanks for having me on so let's see i am actually my professional expertise is within journalism which is something that is you know definitely related to marketing but a lot of my more tactical knowledge has been of hands-on experience so my professional career started off in higher education, communications, and advertising. I worked in residential and hospitality services with Michigan State and did all kinds of branding and advertising for college-age students, which was super fun. From there, I, I stayed the course and was in education communications still down in Kalamazoo, essentially at what we would refer to and understand as an intermediate school. And I was supporting their workforce development programs there. And when I made the move to Grand Rapids in February of last year, I knew that the healthcare industry was one that, you know, has wraps around in, in the area and, you know, found Alliance. And now I'm well into the healthcare marketing sphere. So That's great. And you did all that for the tender age of 21. So <laughs> congratulations. Well, 25, but <laughs> almost. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a very interesting and exciting few years here. As I said, mentioned, therapists really have no understanding, knowledge of of anything marketing. It's an alien word, and for some therapists, I would say it's probably a dirty word, or they perceive it as something dirty when when it's talked about in connection with healthcare. When When we talk about marketing, what actually is marketing? What does it involve? What what does it mean specific to physical therapy and healthcare? Marketing is really the process of driving awareness and demand for a product or a service. Marketers as, you know, professionals, we're tasked with knowing products and services and brands really inside and so that, you know, through our own research and analyzation, we can determine how to explain what we're selling what the company is selling, and define exactly who is going to be the most interested in it. More concisely, it's about creating value, building awareness, knowing how to reach a target audience, how to attract that audience, and all with the end goal of clearly dictating the value within the market, strengthening the brand, and ultimately increasing sales. So it's, it's really to complement then, correct me if I'm wrong, it's really to complement the clinician's 
to provide to, in this instance, probably primarily patients, information about the services and what they can offer then. Instead of really creating a story, it's it's really just a support function. Is that right? Or am I I'm probably looking at slightly wrong? But I definitely view it as a support function. I mean, I think we can all understand that without the actual healthcare service itself, you know, marketing doesn't exist. And so, yeah, I, I definitely see it as a compliment and a support to what physical therapists are are doing, which is delivering excellent healthcare. Marketers are the ones who are who know how to reach the right patients that physical therapists should be treating. So perhaps one looks at it as the ability utilizing marketing skills may even increase the sphere of influence or the ability for a clinician or clinicians to actually get their word out. Absolutely. I think in outpatient therapy, the term marketing and sales have been used incorrectly. And in part, that's, I think, again, because in healthcare, the word sales is definitely perceived as a dirty word. I don't, I don't, I think it's a fairly benign term myself, but definitely there's a perception that sales is a dirty word. And, but in the past, I think actually people weren't doing marketing, they were actually doing sales. So very basic question, which I'd like to clear up is, is what's the difference, do you believe, between sales and marketing? Is there an easy way of kind of differentiating? So kind of similarly to what we talked about, about marketing being a support service for, you know, excellent healthcare. marketing is what, in my opinion, the support for sales to even take place. Marketing lays the groundwork of your brand reputation within the community, communicating value, communicating, you know, what services are even offered at a physical therapy clinic. And all of those are with the ultimate goal of a sale to take place. So like I said, marketing is about creating and promoting value. Sales is about turning those who do have awareness of the brand into customers, into patients in this case, to earn profit. It's not easy, is it, to truly understand the difference? There's definitely overlap, isn't there? Absolutely. And I don't think necessarily you can be successful if you have one but not the other. I think they have to be together, don't they? Yes. And, but that's... I don't think that's necessarily the case either because a lot of times people do segment the two and even larger organizations like Alliance here, we have a sales team and a marketing team. We try and try and get the two to to work together, but it's definitely the case that they're kind of being siloed to a certain extent, haven't they? Yes, they have. And frankly, one can't happen without the other. Marketing serves really no purpose without, you know, the ultimate goal of a sale taking place and sales very rarely if ever happen without proper marketing in place makes sense and if you look at it from a historical perspective as well i think you know since the the advent of the internet and, and e-marketing which we'll talk about a little bit later i think the marketing component has become increasingly important and I wouldn't be surprised if down the road the the marketing component even has a greater role than perhaps sales. Would you agree? I I am in agreement with that. I think, you know, the shape of the industry, the trajectory of the industry is getting more competitive and it there is definitely an increase in 
from the consumer's perspective for a brand to have, to be transparent, to be credible, to have, you know, a, a, digital, a digital presence that is, you know, positive that they would want to you know, spend their money on, frankly. And yeah, I, I definitely see for, for sure with the growth of e-marketing, digital marketing, there's a lot of pressure on companies to have really robust marketing strategies out there. If you have an outpatient therapy clinic, you either a clinic director leading one or you own private practice. What are the goals of marketing for clinics? I mean, what what are they what are they what should they be trying to achieve when we talk about marketing and outpatient therapy? So marketing has both objective and subjective goals and measurements. So more objectively, when we think about marketing healthcare and marketing outpatient physical therapy clinics, the primary goal, that key performance indicator we're going to look to when measuring effectiveness is new patient appointments generated by your website or your phone calls. The reason we say new patient appointments speaks back to the primary goal of marketing, which is driving new awareness and demand. So more subjectively, when you're measuring the goal of marketing outpatient physical therapy, it's growing your brand, capturing a community and turning them into brand advocates, increasing trust and volume from referral sources. All of these things are more of that subjective analysis and subjective goal that you should be striving for when investing in marketing for your physical therapy clinic. I think this raises a really good point because traditionally and i think a lot of therapists still think this which is flawed thinking is patient goes to a physician the physician writes the referral and then basically the the physician will direct the care to a particular establishment or therapist but that is not the case by any means now is it i think there's so many more interacting factors that influence where the patient attends for their care so definitely need the marketing to be able to complement that traditional relationship between the physician and and patient yes yeah absolutely like you said not to you know discredit the impact that that relationship with a referral source has on a clinic's patient volume, but it's just not the whole picture anymore. I mean, you're leaving the entire direct access population out there without you know, a, a marketing strategy that's going to capture that audience. We'll continue the conversation after a short music break and advertisement. Agile EMR is a comprehensive all-in-one electronic medical records solution created by physical therapists for physical therapists. Features include everything you need to run your physical therapy practice in one place. To schedule a demonstration of Agile EMR, visit our website at www.agiletherapyemr.com. Welcome back to Agile and Me, a physical therapy leadership podcast. When I think back to when I started in the kind of outpatient world in the States over 20 years ago now, when I, when I thought of marketing, it was really what signs would I put up in the clinic and what, what pamphlets would I have at the front desk and what the design of the script pad that I took to the physician, really. Whilst I'm not saying that's completely obsolete, it's certainly moved along on a lot since then. So can you tell me the kind of the spectrum as it pertains to marketing? What, what, we, 
what I would say is traditional marketing activities, which I still think are relevant. And then what should organizations really be thinking about when, with modern day marketing? What are we talking about with modern marketing techniques and, and tools? When I hear you talk about those, you know, script pads and clinic directories, you know, having the proper print collateral in place for patients in the door or physicians that you're going out to to visit, when I hear that, I hear direct marketing, which is, like you said, definitely still has a place within the market. We saw actually an uptick of those approaches with the pandemic where the digital sphere was completely saturated with all of these people having to go digital and and you know there's so much noise within the market and so people actually a lot of marketers ended up kind of going back a little bit and investing in those more traditional direct marketing approaches so definitely don't want to discredit their impact or importance that they still have within the spectrum that is marketing but the way that i see it is you know marketing can kind of be divided into two different very broad categories there's that direct marketing which is print, signage, talking directly with referral sources. And then there's that digital marketing part of it. And there's definitely space for both of those. But um, when they're working together, is, is, that's definitely the best case scenario. It's interesting you say that the more traditional direct marketing actually became perhaps a little more effective or prominent during COVID because of the digital overload. It's interesting that different times, different populations, different geographies can impact the effectiveness of a specific marketing tool or strategy, can't it? It's interesting that if you just employ one marketing strategy, over time that will usually lose its ability to influence. So you have to almost continually change your strategy based on local factors, based on what you've done already and based on what you want to achieve. So it's like whack-a-mole in marketing. <laughs> what, you know, a brochure might have worked once, but if you continue to, to publish the same brochure, it's unlikely to, to have an effect. Or a mail drop, you know, traditionally mail drops have had complete disasters with them. But sometimes they can be incredibly effective as well. And it's really just understanding that not only if you've got different types of marketing, but when you apply them can have different impact yes absolutely i couldn't agree more and you know you're much more versed in marketing than you give yourself credit for that's what my our job is every day as marketers we're analyzing different geographies we're analyzing different patient demographic even taking a look at referral sources that is you know calculated and and reported on in intake paperwork so a one-size-fit-all marketing approach could have maybe worked back in the 60s when you know there was only one option which was magazine ads but now i mean the the amount of patient touch points that we have is probably in the hundreds and so you'll never get a you'll never get a good return from a one-size-fits-all approach no but the days of just doing an ad in the local newspaper have gone as well though haven't they? They, <laughs> whilst it might still be a relevance occasionally it's it doesn't it really doesn't match the the impact of say google does it so no. You mentioned the word digital marketing. I I, I use e-marketing, but there's probably a, a, a difference between the two terms. But 
that's my ignorance. So when we talk about digital marketing, what types of things are we talking about? Now, when I went to school, we didn't even have computers. So the, the concept of e-marketing or digital marketing is, is really very new to me. And I have little understanding of what it involves. But it really includes a whole plethora of things, doesn't it? So what types of things come under that banner Sure. So like you said, marketing, digital marketing is really just taking what some of those best practices that we learned in direct and traditional marketing and taking them online. So things like content marketing, search engine optimized blog content creation, and that also speaks to social media posts as well. So having a robust social media presence and, and doing so strategically. Other types of activities would be paid search. So pay-per-click advertising on your major search engines email marketing, which is a huge one for us. Other activities that I also consider e-marketing is reputation management. So going back to you know building awareness and building brand advocates. So monitoring user feedback and engagement online to get a pulse on what your customers are thinking of your brand or your patients are thinking of your brand. And then even you know your website, of course, the website development and management. So mapping out consumer behavior patterns that can lead to different designs and different opportunities for website visitors to become new patients in your door. I want to step back a little bit because a lot of these terms I don't necessarily fully understand. I think it's worth the listeners just understanding them a, a little bit better. So when we talk about content marketing, what exactly do we mean by content marketing? Is it essentially writing, generating information relevant to the, the PT patients? Or what, what exactly do we mean by it? So there's multiple audiences that you can capture when you're content marketing. And, and specifically what we focus on the most is search engine optimized blogs. And without getting too far in the weeds, any kind of patient-facing blog content should be created with the lens of educating. So creating content that is condition-specific. Perhaps your clinic has a very unique offering of services or specialties that you can market. So creating content around there, around those conditions and services, and then using the tools that are available to marketers to understand what keywords Google really likes or what string of words Google really likes and doing so in a way that um, increases your competitiveness and your ability to be seen essentially on Google. Again, I'm going to show my lack of understanding. When growing up, I was basically writing essentially scientific papers or best articles. So the, the concept of a post or a blog is, is, is one, horrifying, and two, you know, <laughs> limited understanding. So when we talk about social media and content and, and blogs and posts, what, what is actually considered say a post and what's considered a blog are they the same thing but just different words I... yeah i mean they're interchangeable i think the word blog probably has that negative connotation that your rogue physical therapist is getting online and and you know venting about his his recent patient that he saw but you know it's just it's kind of a kitschy way to market patient education information. Um, we oftentimes refer that refer to our blogs as our health blog section, just a way to get more traffic, you know, interested in the content that you're pushing out there. So essentially it's just written content placed within somewhere within the internet, be it social media or be it on websites or whatever, that includes key terms, keywords that will help with search 
and also hopefully provide value to readers. Absolutely. It's getting harder and harder to compete within the search engine nowadays. Any random Google search that you do will yield millions of results within, I mean, it's less than a second now. And so search engine optimized content is developed and designed in a way that um, directly competes with some of your your competitors that have been defined. And if you do it well, then you'll rank higher than them in a Google search. So you won't be eight millionth, maybe you'll be one millionth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the other thing that I find frustrating is, you know, the likes of Google keep changing the goalposts as well, don't they? So what works for a period of time, you once you've learned the secret sauce with regards to to content, then they change the goalposts that then change your ranking, don't they? That's absolutely correct. Yeah, they definitely don't make it easy on us. And it, I think it just speaks to what I said earlier about this digitally, that entire scope is getting very saturated. And so Google has to continue to change up what they're, how they're ranking, how they're judging the amount, you know, the quality of of things that you're putting out on the internet. So that with all with the, you know, end goal of a positive online experience. Well, but also the cynic in me would say they're changing it to, to improve their revenues as well, correct? Perhaps. I mean, we do pay some agencies some, you know, some dollars to give us answers into what exactly Google is changing up. So I could see that too. The other thing, correct me if I'm wrong, is not only what one writes, but also there is a quantity component to it as well, I assume. So Mm -hmm. if I just wrote one great article or blog, yes, it might get some traction for a short period of time, but you have to generate content over a extended period at a certain cadence. Is that fair and reasonable to say? It is. Generally speaking, you're looking at about, you know, if you're launching an SEO strategy right off the ground, you're looking anywhere from four to six months to really start to see Google just to recognize you as a valid source of information. So about four to six months to even start getting genuine traffic and and ranking within Google. Yeah, I think it took me 22 years to actually get my image as the number one Wonder one, number one image search under Richard Lever. So, <laughs> so um, I'm not sure what I've got to do to keep it there, but uh, we'll see. We'll continue the conversation after a short music break and advertisement. Most orthotic manufacturers take a one-shape-fits-all approach to solving lower body pain and symptoms. They focus on arch support for temporary pain relief, which can end up leading to inefficiencies and injuries. That's where BioCorrect is different. More than just an insert, BioCorrect is a fully customizable foot orthotic system engineered to address and treat biomechanical imbalances of the entire body. And we're backed by more than 25 years of experience. To learn more, visit us at BioCorrect.com. Welcome back to Agile and Me, a physical therapy leadership podcast. You bring up an interesting point as it pertains to the amount of information on the internet and saturation occurring. So how do you, and this is a really tough question, I think, as an organization or as a private practice, how do you stop from getting drowned out? Or is it is it that you just got to accept that there's going to be a lot of noise and and competition and then come up with is there kind of alternatives that we've got to explore 
So specific to your ranking versus competitors and being able to compete with them, Google is going to, in any search engine, is going to grade you, so to speak, on multiple different factors. What is the user experience when it comes to your website? How are your Google reviews? What kind of SEO content are you putting out? How educational is it? How many, you know, your click-through, your bounce rate, all of these different factors Google is going to rank you on. So clinics and brands who are just paying attention to one or just investing time and energy and resources into one element that Google is, is grading you on, aren't going to, they're not going to compete with, you know, other more robust marketing, you know, people who have more understanding of what exactly, how to get ranked. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it it seems to be one of these situations where you have to have, as an organization or as a practice, but really as an organization, to be seen, you've got to have quite a level of sophistication and also resource. So for the mum and pop shop, yes, you can be visible if somebody types in a specific location, your perhaps your brand name or you know, your the clinician's name. But if in general search terms, it's probably becoming increasingly difficult for smaller entities to be seen because they just don't have the sophistication resource to be able to really rank highly. Was that fair? Right, it is. That's why, you know, for those smaller clinic groups, things like reputation management, you know, those low cost marketing endeavors are really important so that people within your local community do recognize your name and are able to find you directly as opposed to finding, you know, going a more general route like physical therapy near me or my knee hurt as a search term where there's just there's no chance of your local clinic and, and practice being found. Can we talk a little bit about paid search and really specific for small practices? Because I've never really quite understood paid search. I I think at a very simplistic level, isn't it? Essentially, you give Google however much money you want to give them, and then somehow they they prioritize you or they put you to the near the front or at the front for a period of time until your money runs out. And and if you don't have much money, then you don't really get to the front of the queue that much. I'm sure there's a lot more to it. Can you talk to me about paid search and and whether it's even an option or an effective option for the small practice owner? So I don't want to, I'm I'm not a 100% expert in this field. You know, we do partner with individuals who have spent years and years understanding how exactly Google functions, which is, I think, a question we probably ask ourselves all the time. But essentially what pay-per-click campaigning is, is submitting a a list of keywords that you are within your budget and Google has identified as very competitive search terms that just your standard person is searching for when, when seeking out your service. And again, very high level, there is bidding process that takes place. So each specific term is has a dollar amount assigned to it based on how competitive it is. And so our experts spend literally all day in the back end of Google bidding with each other. It's like the stock, it's like the stock exchange back there. And they're bidding against one one another so that they can kind of own 
you know, a portion of that keyword for a certain amount of time. So to answer your question about, you know, the reality of that being a, a worthwhile marketing approach for a, a smaller clinic, a one-off or a smaller clinic group, it, it's probably too time labor extensive to invest in. And frankly, you're going up against some people with some some really big pockets. And so, you know, we at Alliance even struggle with being able to, to compete against them. I think it was yourself the other day that told me how much to bid on the term for virtual physical therapy. Yeah, it's $500. A, a, a click, basically. A click. Yep. Yes. So cost per action is how they measure it. And that's a click through to your website. It costs you $500. Yes. And given our probably our profit margin for an entire episode of care is probably, let's say, on the on the uh, you know high side, $200, a $500 click to the website is just, is just crazy, isn't it? It sure is. So, so bottom line, if you're a small practice, really, it's probably to spend your dollars elsewhere than pay-per-click because you're not really going to be able to compete. Mm-hmm. Okay. If small practices can't compete in that arena, what can they do on a practical basis that's low cost to help them from, a, from an e-marketing perspective? Honestly, there's a lot of things that are really low-cost marketing activities, digital marketing activities. So the first that comes to mind, of course, is social media. There's, it's, it's very, very present in today's society. It's a, it's a low-cost tool. Anybody can have a Facebook page. And it's based on, based on market research, it's the number one tool that cl- clinicians can use to attract and sustain current and prospective patients and staff, frankly. You know, social media, when you're going to a new restaurant, for instance, you're going to their Facebook page or their Google page and you're checking out the reviews or maybe some of the pictures that people posted at their experience. I mean, if you're doing that within your own personal life, you can guarantee that prospective patients are doing the same for your physical therapy practice. So it's building brand recognition. Most importantly, in my opinion, it's building credibility for your patients within that local community. And in really offering an opportunity for those direct access patients to find your page organically and already, you know, build their own understanding of who you are as a clinic and a a clinician, a a physical therapy practice on their own. Amazes me that this concept of social, you know, the influencers, you know, on social media and the number of millions of followers or hundreds of thousands of followers that people have, and it truly does impact consumer behavior doesn't it so it if you post appropriately or use utilize social media in an effective manner it can transform your your business it certainly can yeah and we're going to cover that in the second episode of this series all all things social media and i think a lot of people would be surprised about the percentage of of prospective employees who actually draw their initial understanding of you know this employer based on their social media presence what else can they do? So obviously having, having a social media page, they're, they're tweeting or Snapchatting or posting video on Facebook, which probably people would pay for me not to, not to do that. But uh, what else can they do? Not everyone wants to be a, an influencer, shall we say. So what could clinicians do in addition to social media? Another big one for me and, and definitely takes 
you know, the cake from as far as patient relationship management and, and marketing. 101 is email marketing. It's oftentimes incredibly low cost. Your patient email addresses, your way to contact them are easily collectible at time of intake. So that right there, there's your, your patient database. And it offers multiple opportunities for different touch points throughout, you know, before, during, and after a patient's course of care. So you can design communications that, that aim to decrease wait times. They can give you directions to your clinic, offer what to expect, tell you what documents, insurance, all of these things that are already building a positive experience for a patient. You know, during the course of care, uh, you, you can communicate condition education, their home exercise program. You, there's multiple opportunities to receive feedback. You can do so via surveys directing them to your Google page to build up those stars. Everyone loves to see a, a clinic with five stars. And then even your Facebook reviews, which just goes back you know, full circle to the importance of social media. After they're discharged from their course of care, there's also, you know, you still have their patient email address on file. And so that offers an opportunity to reactivate them within the clinic. Yeah, that really we're talking about what we call patient relationship management, isn't it? But it blows me away that a lot of clinics, clinicians, don't even get email addresses in this modern day and age. And even as a large organization, we don't collect all email addresses by any means. And, and I just don't understand the reluctance of asking for email addresses. You know, when, when I go to Home Depot now, they, they'll ask me for my email address. You know, wherever I seem to go nowadays, they always want your email address. And, and I always give it, but for, for healthcare, they, it's, they struggle with the asking for it a lot of the time. And, but without that email address, you ha, you, you've lost that complete ability to engage the patient during their care and after care and really developing a strong relationship. Absolutely. And if that wasn't, you know, reason enough, we see on average the weeks that we send out our email communications, our more curated email communications, that our new patient appointments increase by 16%. That is crazy. So if we only collect half of the emails, then we are definitely losing new patients. No doubt about it. Yeah. You heard it here, everyone, that <laughs> get those email addresses. We'll continue the conversation after a short music break and advertisement. At Alliance, we believe that partnership means creating something that is greater than the sum of its parts. Our focus is finding physical therapy practices who are already doing good things with the resources and knowledge they have and then providing them the additional tools, resources, and expertise to bring them from good to great. To learn more about joining our nationwide community of physical therapy practices while maintaining your brand and clinical practice, visit our website at alliancepTP.com. Welcome back to Agile Me, a physical therapy podcast series. With regards to ongoing communication with patients via email, it's not as if you, you have to send out a lot of information, isn't it? it? It's just regular small touch points. Is that what works well? Yes. And, you know, and we're getting better within our own process about this, but email marketing systems now have really advanced technology to be able to curate messaging toward a, a patient and based on how they've engaged with previous communications. So you can tailor lists and content based on, you know, what you think the patient is going to be the most interested in. And 
like you said, really low effort, high return. We've talked about social media, which I'm sure we'll dive into further next time, and talked about patient relationship management, really leveraging or using email. There's lots of other ways of engaging patients over time, but, but email. And then there is a third way, isn't it, that the clinic owners can really utilize and leverage e-marketing, and that's through content generation, isn't it? And I know, for instance, this blog is one example of content generation. I know we have a lot of content that's developed with an alliance for various social platforms or web uses. So can you talk to us a little bit about content generation? What can be done by private practices to help with their their e-marketing strategy? Certainly. So, you know, when you when you hear search engine optimized content, there's definitely a, de- a degree of knowledge and expertise that has to be implemented when developing that. Something that's way more accessible and, and managed in-house internally is to identify internal content generations who are experts within their field. And this is something we do at Alliance all the time. So seeking out clinicians who are experts within treating a specific condition, Maybe it's a tenured front office staff who knows your patients and your brand like the back of their hand, or even just, you know, the clinic owner who can speak to different trials and tribulations of operating a small business. Having them find a couple of minutes in their day to generate blog content, articles, really, that are informational, educational, and just fun. You know, once that content is generated, you can use it in multiple different mediums. So posting it to your website, cross-posting it to your social media platform plugging it into your email marketing. All of a sudden, you know, you've had you've taken one piece of content and you've just created a multi-channel marketing campaign for $0, really. The budget for marketing for most PT practices is close to zero or zero, but I think it's important that private practices do carve out some dollars. I think the days of just trying to market to one's practice through you know, visiting physicians and turning up at the local chamber have gone. I don't think that's, whilst, whilst it's still, I think, valuable, it's certainly not going to get your business where it needs to be. So I think, I think one has to spend money on marketing and sales. How much obviously depends on how much you have available, but you know, where do they need to spend their dollars to have the, have the, the an impact essentially, you know, what what large organizations spend the amount and how they spend it obviously is very different than for a smaller entity. So if, if I had a, a private practice or a small number of clinics, how would I direct my dollars? I think the place that you have to start before spending marketing dollars is to review any kind of patient referral source that you have. So one of the most insightful marketing tactics is to analyze where actual patients are hearing about your brand and services. From there, you can make a strategic plan as far as which mediums and outlets you're going to invest in to focus time, energy, and dollars. But you know, going back to where I think a return would be the most effective if you have marketing dollars to spend, the first and foremost is going to be an optimized website, a modern website that is going to not only be, you know, referred to by Google as as something worthwhile, but also for your patient experience as well. Something that offers, that answers all of the questions that a patient might have prior to, you know, getting in touch. 
And I can't take credit for this one, but Kelly Burgess, she's the founder of Version Co. Marketing. She describes a, a healthcare website as a clinician's digital bedside manner. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's where all current, future patients, staff, whatever audience it is that you're looking to capture, that's where they're going to draw their initial their initial understanding of who you are as a brand, who you are as a clinic, and you know who you are as people. So I, I think... If I had, you know, marketing dollars to spend at a smaller clinic, that's where I would I would look to first. It's funny, you know, years ago it was if you if your facade of the building looked jank, janky, people wouldn't kind of come in. Now, if your website looks janky, people won't visit you. So, and it amazes me the even with people who have physician referrals, they will still search online and look at the website before choosing their eventual van practice, won't they? Right. And like I said, I mean, we do the same thing in our personal lives. So you can guarantee that any any kind of relationships you have professionally, they're, they're doing the same. So let's say that the private practice owners feeding flush and spent their money on their website and got that up to, to kind of snuff. Uh, which isn't cheap in itself, but let's say that they've they've done that and they've got a few dollars that they want to uh, invest further. Where where could they put their do- their additional dollars that might give a return? Do you think? I would invest in content marketing. So working with a a vendor or perhaps even bringing someone in house with expertise that knows how to create content that will drive traffic and impressions to your website. I definitely wouldn't recommend doing that if your website is not anything to be <laughs> proud of. But you know, once you once you're driving traffic and impressions, you know the the natural next step is so long as you've created a, an experience that's positive and easily navigable. SEO content will will give you the platform to to get more eyes on your brand and and more patients in your doors. Okay. Time is is running out as, as it always does. Plenty of questions, but limited time. From a practical perspective, if I'm a practice owner and understand that I'm really not doing enough marketing, and, but I really don't know what to do, I'm a little bit overwhelmed. Obviously, I can throw some money at the website and, and if I have some over search engine content, but what can I do tomorrow as a clinic owner to help from a, a marketing perspective? If you're interested and you recognize that there are are multifaceted approaches when it comes to marketing, I think that's you're already far ahead than than most physical therapists and clinicians who, you know, historically just aren't they aren't doing a great job of marketing their services and professions. So that's definitely a great starting point. If you're cognizant that there's more that you can be doing, I, I think it's just like I have spoken to a couple of times, taking some of those different really low cost avenues to build and maintain brand credibility within the space. So getting your business on Google, getting your business on Facebook, starting to show off who you are as a brand, some of the staff that you have, some amazing patients that have had you know, success within your, because of the healthcare that you're providing. And I think starting with those really low-cost initiatives are, are definitely the best approach. And from a very simplistic perspective, I would imagine it's probably you know, asking for Google reviews mm-hmm. or taking some fun photographs and putting them onto social media. Yes, it's, it's, it's 
it's the really simple stuff that can oftentimes have the most impact, yeah? Absolutely. And the same way that marketing doesn't exist without sales, sales doesn't exist without marketing. Any kind of additional investment in marketing doesn't really hold it, doesn't really have a point unless you have those initial foundational blocks set first. Well, thank you, Sam. Certainly helped me understand some of marketing nuances, idiosyncrasies. Looking forward to the 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 next podcast with you as it pertains to, to e-marketing. Appreciate your insight and your knowledge. I know it's not an easy topic for clinicians, but, but certainly it's very helpful. So thank you. This podcast was brought to you by Alliance Physical Therapy Partners and Agile Virtual Care. For more information, please visit our websites, alliancepTP.com and agilevirtualcare.com. Make sure to follow us on social media and LinkedIn where you can learn more about Alliance Physical Therapy Partners and Agile Virtual Care.